Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Wow. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. Welcome to our live Texans Titans post game show, Robert, with my old co host and four decade journalist, Stephen Curran. Stephen, you and I have a long history with the Oilers, and the fake Oilers got what they deserve. They got a real Oilers last second heartbreaker. Nana, nana, nana is what I have to say. Take that, Bud Adams. Roll in your grave. Take that, Amy Adams Strunk. And all you <laughs> Adams fam. Talk about the Adams family. Can, can I do it? Can I, can I go? Da 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 da. Da 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 da. Da 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 da. Yeah, it's so apropos, Robert, so apropos. And I mean, I don't know how much we're going to talk about this because the, this, the win is the much bigger story. But let me just tell you that th- this was totally unnecessary that they had to do this. So you know that they were just rubbing Houston's nose in the dirt. You can't tell me that they just did this. Oh, it just happened to be on the schedule. The Texans are coming in. I mean, I know they did it once before with, I think it was the Falcons. But come on, it's obvious that this was planned from the get-go once they knew what the schedule was or once they decided to do this promotion. So how fitting, not only do the Texans win, but they win in the manner that the way the Oilers used to win some of these big games when it comes down to the final second, and it's in overtime, so it just makes it even more fitting, doesn't it? Get a big lead, blow it in the most heartbreaking fashion that you can. And look, no Tank, no Nico, no C.J. Stroud, no Will Anderson, no Blake Cashman. I mean, no Tavier. I could say who didn't play, and it's it's a mile long. No George Fant. Three of your starting offensive linemen out. Unbelievable. But Devin Singletary, he is the hero, along with the guy that makes his return this week, Kaimi Fairbairn. Oh, welcome back, Kaimi Fairbairn. Oh, my God. Two huge <laughs> field goals. Obviously, the game winner was uh, just miraculous, and we're going to get to how it got to that point. But Devin Singletary, 27 carries, 121 yards, sort of maybe giving it his old Earl Campbell-like try, 4.7 <laughs> yards per carry deserved his day in the sun at the end. I'm going to mention that at the end on this deal, but Devin Singletary, that last drive, uh, you know, the big cat, four catches, 49 yards. He did everything for the Texans offensively, him and a couple other guys that we're going to get to, but man, so much to talk about this in this one, Stephen, get in the comments. We got to hear from you guys. We know you enjoy it. Enjoyed it. Let's unpack it. Well, before we before we unpack it, let me let me say something. You were talking about all the injuries, and I, this may be a bit of a stretch, but let me just say this real quick. I realize you know the, the significance of this game was much different than what I'm about to talk about. But you know, speaking of the Oilers, remember in that playoff game in the '79 season against San Diego when you didn't have Dan Pastorini, you didn't have Earl Campbell. Yeah, that was a playoff game, and the Oilers won that. But you think about all the injuries that you just said, and we may have even missed a few, that the Texans had today, including your starting quarterback. And yet the Texans come in and still win it in 
amazing overtime fashion. I couldn't help but think of that San Diego playoff game, Robert, yeah, after yeah. this game was over. I, mean, I just I know it's different, but it's not that different. Yeah, you were missing the quarterback, your best player in Earl. You were missing your best wide receiver in Kenny Burrow. They were given not much of a chance in this game on the road. It, it, this is a playoff game for the Texans, more or less. This was a playoff game. There was yeah, no figuratively doubt it was, right. Absolutely. Right. And I understand Earl Campbell, oh, he was there today. Oh, he was. He yeah. was there is what I understand, yes. Yeah, and it was, to me, it's like Mike Vrabel's wearing the bump. And I love bum, and I love an ode to bum, but I'm like. The hat? It just, it, it just he wore the cowboy hat before yeah, the, the game. Yeah, the hat, right. Right. Uh, uh, it, it just it was annoying on multiple. If he would have done that in just a regular game, I wouldn't have bothered me. It's just he did it in this game and it really pissed me off. And, you know, the whole thing pissed me off. And I know most of you don't, don't even remember the Oilers weren't alive, whatever. But well, that's um, the point. Yeah. I mean, that, that's the point. None of these players were born when the Oilers, you know, the love you blue anyway. Some of them weren't even born when they moved to Tennessee. So I really don't I, I don't understand it. But anyway. Scott says, welcome back, Fairbairn, indeed. Uh, boy, what a what a big moment for him. And I'm so glad that uh, he's healthy again and, and what a big difference he makes. And the Texans' first drive, three and out. This thing started off terrible. First drive, three and out. That weird Steven Sims end around. Was I a fan of that play? Eh, if it works, I guess. But <laughs> on third and three, I don't know. He's And, and it seems like, he just gets too, Bobby Silva gets too caught up in, in these end arounds. And I wish more of them were succeeding a little bit better. But anyway, Titans first drive. Jimmy Ward goes out with a concussion. Another awful injury. I mean, he just mounts one on top of the other to pour salt in the wound. 11 plays, 83-yard drive. A couple of big pass plays set up Levis's one-yard TD. Steven D'Amico challenged the 33-yard pass to the one. I thought that was a poor decision. It seems like D'Amico was a little desperate because of the Texan situation because there was nothing in that replay that showed you that was an incomplete pass. Yeah, that that's right. And I, I don't know. I, and the other thing too, Robert, and I know you and Sean, of course, have done these post-game shows and I haven't been on any of them. You, you've probably hit on this already. But the one thing I've noticed about the Texans' defense, you know, especially if the, the Texans don't get the ball first, in other words, the, the defense gets the ball first, or even if they don't, that first defensive series, it's like they haven't woken up and they, they have these chunk plays that come back to bite them in the butt. And then as the game goes along, it's like the defense gets it together and the same thing happened today. And so, the, you know, that big play, uh, yeah, I don't understand why he challenged it other than the fact that maybe, yeah, like you said, he was a little desperate and the Texans were about to get behind early again. So whatever the case, it didn't work. Yeah, it's an early challenge too. There's just a lot of that was was especially when it, you, you know it was a big challenge if it if it's overturned, but it just there was nothing about it that looked like it. But there was I too think, much game time left. Yeah, yeah, I was so early in the game, and uh, B Val says the Adams family legacy of being low life losers continues. We agree with that one, of course. Um, the only thing <laughs> good, good for the good take. Good take. <laughs> yeah, the only thing good for the Texans, Stephen, in the first quarter, the Titans missed the extra point. And that's a big deal because we went into overtime. It was a big deal, big deal, big deal. Well, um, it sure was. Those extra points can always come back. And and from what I understand in warmups, uh, the the kicker was he was uh, was it Nick Folk? I believe his name is right. Yeah, was Nick was Folk. missing. He was missing them during warmups. So maybe that was an omen. 
So a couple of quick punts in the next two possessions for each team. Then Keenum throws that pick six. Steven, oh, that was a terrible looking throw. It looked like he threw it to Molden like he was the intended receiver. I don't know if, you know, there was a route different difference in where Ogunbowale, he was the only guy that was even in the area, but that was, it, oh, it was. It yeah, was I, a, think it, it, I think it was a miscommunication thing because I, I think Keenum thought Ogunbowale was supposed to be at the place where he was, and then he moved. So, of course, Keenum's going to throw the ball where he was supposed to be. So, yeah, it kind of hard to figure, you know, whose fault that was, but it certainly, you know, it, it didn't help the Texans early on. So a Keenum grounding pen, grounding penalty ruins the next Texans drive. Um, th- that was, I don't know, he, he maybe he could have gotten rid of the ball, but the, the, the pressure, you know, was pretty quick. Titans next position. Great. A couple of great tackles by Christian Harris, who had a really good first half after I thought it was a real struggle for him the last game. Me and Sean sort of disagreed on that. He was terrible yeah. in pass coverage, I thought, the last game. I mean, Harris has shown some things, but – recently but i just thought last game was not great at all but he was fantastic early yeah his last game yeah like you said wasn't too great but there have been several games this year where he's come up big you know not just in the first half but even in the second half or you know through the whole game so it's just been kind of back and forth with him eight solo tackles all told in this one two tackles for loss so yeah yeah, yeah. he's coming in a number of tfls today i know we'll get to some of those but boy there were a bunch of them yeah, he's really come into his own. <clears throat> Excuse me. A Keenum grounding penalty. Okay, let's get. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Let's move ahead. Um, <clears throat> Khalil gets a big third down sack to get the ball back in good field position. Singletary takes over the next drive. Big uh, run chunks. And then on fourth and one, Singletary converts. But on third and one at the five, Singletary stuffed. Steven, they had to settle for a fair barren field goal right here, and you didn't want that to happen, especially after all the great work Singletary did in that drive. No, you certainly didn't. You got that far, and you thought, you know, maybe Keenum could lead him into the end zone. At the, at the time, I thought, man, you know, the offense needs as many points as they can get, you know, especially with the defense, you know, getting in a hole early. So, I, yeah, I was a little miffed about that field goal early on, about, you know, the fact that they had to take it. Yeah, so now you're down by 10 at the half to the Chiefs. or No, I'm sorry, to the Titans. Why, why, do, I, why do I have the Chiefs in Chiefs, my head, Stephen? Oilers, uh, you know, it's all the same, right? <laughs> well, I had the Chiefs in my head because this is no accident. Last time the Oilers made the playoffs in Houston, they were up to the Chiefs. Remember? And yeah, and they blew yeah. that too. Yeah, they blew yep. that game, lost to Joe Montana. So it's up to Keenum to pull his uh, Montana impersonation. <laughs> so you can forgive us for, you know, referencing the Oilers and other teams that they played over the years, right? Yeah, there's uh, so many, like, just parallels in this game. T- Titans first drive in the third. Steven Nelson picks off a pass intended for New Cops. And New Cops gets Texans trying to take advantage. More chunk plays by Singletary. Big third down throw to Schultz after a Scruggs penalty. Scruggs, he he didn't have a lot of good moments in this one. So on third down, Keenum scrambles, but his pass is knocked away. Might have missed Schultz open in the end zone early in the play, Stephen. So they only get a field goal. I mean, the replay showed maybe. I mean, they said the guys on television said, oh, he had guys up in his face. But I thought, you know, he had a pocket to work with and it wasn't breaking down that bad. And maybe if he would have seen that, maybe. Schultz won the first three. I don't know what was going on there. 
Yeah, no, it, it would have. I think it would have been too close to call. You know, as far as doing a challenge on that one. So next, Titans possession. D'Amico makes up for a bad earlier challenge when he gets the refs to overturn the big play to Hopkins. Uh, so that was a huge deal because if I'm being honest, Stephen, I would have given Hopkins the catch. Just the old, you hold, you got to hold onto the pass through the ground, even yeah. though it helped the Texans. I hate the rule, Steve. This is, what, this is my problem with it. He's in the middle of the field. He's got, he does one foot, two foot. And I'm not, of course, I don't want that. I'm not a Titans fan, but I'm just saying this rule, yeah. like with anybody bothers me because he gets one foot, two foot, he hits the ground. And basically it was the, it's a ground causing the fumble to me. And I mean, he was going forward one foot, two foot. So. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, how many of these possession type calls do we, I mean, we were just seeing more and more of them. And I don't know if the league's ever going to get this right. You know, they've, changed it around here and changed it around there. I, I don't know that if you can ever get it right because every possession is different. You know, you can't necessarily, I mean, sometimes you can, but you can't always compare one to another. And, you know, it's also how long do you have the ball? And so, yeah, again, if you're being objective, you probably should have had the catch. But if you're a Texans fan, thank God they overruled it. Yeah, and this is something, if you were a Texans fan, you would have been pretty ticked about it, I'm sure. That was that was huge because Grenard and Collins back it up with their third down sack and get you out of that. Texans get great field position again on third and four. Keenum, the first down throw is nullified on an iffy Noah Brown neutral zone call. Yeah, Pentagon. yeah. Steven, I, I, I just... I don't know what the deal is, but like the refs have decided this is their point of emphasis this year is, is neutral zone infractions on offense. I don't care. Yeah, because the Texans have been called. I've lost track of the number of neutral zone infractions the Texans have been called for this year. It seems like they're picking on them. I mean, I'm sure they're picking on other teams too, but I've watched so many Texans games. I've watched them all this year, and it just seems like over and over they're calling that same call. So that ends up being the difference because now, you know, you got to kick the field. Fairbrand, though, hits that big 53-yarder, his first of two big 50-plus-yard field goals, of course. Three straight missed opportunities, Stephen. You were worried about it because this is like, you know, field goals instead of touchdowns in a game yeah. like this when you just figured it's going to backfire, it's going to blow up in your face. Yeah, and and the thing is with – Fairbairn coming back, um, just, you know, having him try such a long field goal, you know, when he's coming back from a, a soft tissue injury, you kind of worried about it because it was cold there. So you kind of thought, well, maybe they should have just gone ahead and gone for it. But, you know, it, it turned out all right in the end, though. So on the next Titans possession, Stingley ends the drive with a pass breakup on third down near midfield. He had a couple big ones. We're going to get to another one later in the game. He almost Although, had, he, he almost had the interception, didn't he? Was that the play that that he almost picked it off? He it was closed. I mean, it looked a lot like that interception that he had right. a couple of weeks ago, where he goes across the field and makes that tremendous interception. So it was very very similar to that one. But yeah. uh, they bury the Texans on the punt at the one, third and three. Keenum is sacked when Scrugg whiffs in pass protection. Cam Johnston follows with a rare bad punt that puts the Titans in good shape. We're going to talk about another bad Cam Johnston punt 
later on. And he just did not have a good game for Cam Johnston and, and a game that just seemed like it was going to be a field possession game. They were, they got lucky that there's so many things that kind of went wrong for the Texans, but however, the Titans get in the red zone and Grenard gets his hand on Levis's arm, causing what's basically a fumble. They lose almost 20 yards. The Titans get a field goal, but Grenard keeps it within seven and Steven, his contract extension it's getting a little bit more expensive by the day. <laughs> no, I'm telling you what, this whole season, I mean, he has had quite a season. And I think, you know, moving, uh, changing positions on the defense seemed to really help him. You know, being a linebacker, it, it just wasn't cutting it. But once they put him at the end, I mean, he's just been a totally different player. And yeah, he had another great game today. The Texans take advantage. They drive it down the field. They get a borderline pass interference penalty for a big chunk some borderline penalties borderline yeah. stuff that went more the texans way kind of reminded me of you know a couple of weeks ago uh i guess it was with the uh jacksonville jaguars when you couldn't catch a break and this one they got <laughs> a ton of breaks really um then keenum throws what could have been an interception oh i was holding my breath on that one yeah i, I mm. want you to talk mm -mm. about that one because he just stole it he stole it from him, Stephen. The guy looked like he had it, and all of a sudden, you know, Schultz grabs it like, you know, he was going after a piece of meat, you know, like a rabid dog or something. Was yeah, like, I think Schultz just wanted it more. I, I mean, the guy's a baller, and I tell you what, you know, he's had injury problems too, and he's missed some games, but I, I was so relieved when I knew he was going to be playing today because at least, you know, you had one of your better receivers in there and somebody with experience that can just go up and get that kind of a ball – so, yeah, it, it was obvious. Dalton Schultz, nobody was going to stop him from getting that ball. Schultz, four catches, 58 yards in the game. So some big and big, big catches. It seemed like every one of them seemed like they were pretty big. So Keenan finishes off with the touchdown to Noah Brown. That was Noah Brown's eighth catch for 82 yards at that particular second. That That's what he would end up with, eight catches for 82 yards. But had he had a big day in the absence of Tank and Nico. So the Titans had a chance at a big play, but then Stingley again makes a great play in coverage. And then Hopkins didn't look ready for a pass on third down. It was That was real strange, but he was surrounded yeah. by four guys, but he just he it looked like he wasn't even expecting it or expecting it that soon. So the Texans get a chance to win the game, Stephen. And I mean, you just thought, okay, maybe this is it. They're going to do it right here. Yeah, it's amazing. It, it, you know, you have those opportunities, and I was wishing, you know, please don't let it go into overtime. Uh, you know, but it, it was becoming a defensive battle. I mean, that's that's really what it was becoming, and both teams were making big plays on defense. And, yeah, the Texans had their shot. They had the time, and I believe, didn't they still have all three of their timeouts at that point? I think they did. Yeah, the killer really was – I can't remember how many timeouts they had, but the killer was that Charlie Heck penalty – well, yeah, and, you know, you're talking about a guy that hadn't played very much this year, and that was the first thing I thought about. Uh, gosh, so many false starts. It's just amazing that the, the Texans just can't seem to get over that. Yeah, I, I would have to look back at it, and I, I want to see how Charlie Heck played when, the, when they, you know, throw out the pro football focus grades because, you know, it's a big deal. Heck is your only tackle that you've got signed for next year besides the two starters, so – and he was the swing tackle, of course, until they signed George Fant and then until they, until they made the, you know, the, the trade. So it was like, 
you know, you 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 need Charlie Heck to to be pretty good because he is signed for next year. But I, I would assume, you know, they're going to have to maybe sign George Fant just for safety purposes. Right. Titus injury. Right. Yeah, um, and Michael so, Dieter. Michael Dieter didn't block well today either. Oh yeah, well he's he's just bad. I mean, he's he now looks like what we expected him to look as just a kind of a Joe Blow, you know, somebody that's on a practice squad type guy. And he, really, it's been that way for the last couple of weeks. But I mean, you don't have another choice. You got your yeah. three you other have centers. What you on, have, yeah, three, like, exactly. Three centers on injured reserve, and you got two guards, and your other your starting centers playing guard, and really to, to Juice Scruggs. He's he's out of position, and I, I feel like that's a big part of it. I I'm not grading anything the Juice Scruggs does this year at guard because I just don't think that's his future, and that's what they drafted him for. Yeah, well, I think it. You know, perhaps if we hadn't had all these injuries, he would be playing his natural position, which is center. And I know you and Sean have, have definitely talked about that over the last couple of weeks. I mean, he had that first good game when he came back, but yeah, the the last two, I think the. I don't know if it was an adrenaline rush or whatever it was, it wore off because now we're seeing that Juice Scruggs is obviously out of position and just needs to be where he where he belongs. But right and now credit, he just can't. And credit to these lines. I think the lines that they play the last, especially the Jets line is really good. So that, yeah. that, that was an issue. So the heck penalty hurts. The Texans punt after a couple of incompletions after that because it got to be second, 15, third, 15. Another bad Cam Johnston punt. Like I said, I don't know what the hell got into him today. And this is a day when you really, really, really needed him. Um, you know, luckily, obviously, didn't cost you the game. But Cam Johnston, we need you to be better. That's why uh, you're the punter. But Petrie comes up with a big pass breakup. It's rare when I have good things to say about Petrie. But <laughs> Petrie with a big pass breakup. And then Malik Collins. Oh, oh my God, Steven. That was a fantastic. He just ragdolled. The guard, I mean, Malik Collins and that whole defensive line. Oh, my God. But Malik Collins in that one play just threw him out of the way. He looked like, man, this guy's one of the better defensive tackles in the, in the NFL when, with that play. They're like, you know, and, and I know, you know, Titans offensive line, not good, but that was that was incredible. Well, I tell you what, you know, it's almost like as, as a collective unit, they decided, hey, Will Anderson's not in the game. We got to step it up. And, boy, they sure did. I mean, Malik Collins and, and Grenard and – you know, there several others that would come in. I mean, I've lost track of how many sacks the Texans have today. The the D line was doing their thing. Yeah, that total grand total was seven sacks. I, I was going to say six. I was one off. By the way, uh, just a quick comment. Always the blues says fair baron status legend. Absolutely, at the moment <laughs> is today the life of a kicker. Yeah. Uh, so Davis Mills. Um, can't even get off a of Hail Mary when the Titans do a delayed blitz on a Hail Mary, which you don't see that often. Um, it's hard to be mad at the Texans for not picking it up because the guy came like a couple of seconds afterwards out of nowhere. Uh, only thing was Davis Mills really didn't hold on to the ball in the most, uh, I mean, that was bound, bound for a disaster, yeah. but luckily uh, nothing happened. So we go to overtime, first Titans possession. Texans get two sacks. A great pass breakup by Steven Nelson on Hopkins. That was a big play. Mm. The secondary, who've been burned a lot recently on big plays, except for the one really early in the game, they made some big plays on some deep passes. The Texans, 
though, have a disastrous possession. Keenum sacked twice. Big mistake by Keenum, uh, Stephen, to take the second sack. I mean, you yeah. can't do that. He held that on there. the ball way too long. And then, yeah, we you've mentioned it several times today. It's almost like Case just held on to the ball too long. And, boy, he did that time. Yeah, I kind of got the feeling he thought his legs were the same as C.J. Stroud, which they're not, number one. <laughs> no, number two, not. you know, you got to know the offensive line you're working with. And this offensive line, you know, you, you get rid of it, you live the fight another day. It was like what we were seeing with Stroud early in the season when they were having all the issues with sacks. So, um, yeah, I w- wasn't happy with Keenum at that particular point. Uh, Titans holding penalty on the punt kills their field position. Um, however, and on third down, the t- Texans, this is this, this is what we're talking about. This defensive line, seventh sack of the game, the seventh and last sack, just, I mean, the whole defensive line, Steven dominating second half and overtime effort. You know, it's, it's hard to know how much of this is like the Titans are bad up front and the Texans are pretty good, but without Will Anderson, those guys, the, the effort play for play, I thought was as good as we've seen. Oh, absolutely. And and I know he's a linebacker, but, you know, Blake Cashman being out, you know, that, that changes things too. But I think it's safe to say the defense really won this game for the Texans, you know, at least until the very end, because they kept putting them in a position to win the game, especially, you know, late in the fourth quarter and then in overtime. The, the defense is what really did the job today. Final possession, huge throw and catch to Singletary. As we said, oh, my God, he was big. Then he deserved to get, he deserved the game-winning touchdown. Brevin Jordan ruined his moment with that second holding penalty. Mm -hmm. He's not making any friends for a spot on the team next year, Stephen. (laughs) No, he certainly isn't. Now, you know, he looks so promising starting out, but uh, he's had a pretty tough, tough season for sure. Yeah, just, you know, he hadn't played much, obviously, with some injuries. And then he comes back in. And he, he, catching the ball, he's been okay. Blocking, it's been, you know, yeah, very miss. suspect. Yeah. Yeah. And then D'Amico decides to, and, and this is what I want to get your thought on, Stephen. He decided to play it safe. He didn't even run a play to get Fairbairn in a shorter field goal. I was really, really scared right there because that's the old play not to lose mentality, I thought. Yeah, I was too, Robert. And one of the things that concerned me is the the placement of where Fairbairn was going to kick that ball was going to be right to left. And yeah, I know he had some wind, but those right to left kicks, I mean, you know, it, it, those are difficult to make. And not just anybody can do that. And I was hoping that they could at least get a few more yards because they had the time. You know, they certainly had the time to run one more play. I mean, the only thing I could think of is to, maybe D'Amico thought, well, if if something uh, bad snap or something happens, we still have another play to, to play with. But, man, you're taking a real chance there at the distance that he had. And then it was right to left. It wasn't just straight up the middle. All right. So we've already given Fairbairn his props to start the show off if you missed it. Obviously, you know, you know, he's the hero in this game along with Singletary. And we went through Singletary's numbers. I'm just curious, Stephen, Case Keenum, 23 for 36, 229 yards, one touchdown, the terrible pick six, 79.5 passer rating. What did you think overall of Case Keenum's effort in this game? There was a couple of times that I thought he got away with stuff, 
throw in sideline patterns. And maybe he thought he had a bigger arm than he did and nearly got picked a couple of times. And it was just either dropped or the Texans receivers helped him out by throwing it away. I mean, he had some moments. He had some throws for sure. But it was very backup quarterback-ish. <laughs> well, I mean, I think you got what you got what you normally would expect with Case Keenum. But I'll tell you that you know when I found out he was going to start, Robert, I don't think I was as quite as surprised as everyone else. I know he threw the, the pick six, but the thing about Case Keenum, you know, consistently that I've always liked is he does make few mistakes, and there are there's just an intangible. Sometimes when the guy's in the game. On certain games, he just wins. I mean, you look at his stat sheet, you just mentioned it. The stats are okay. You know, they're, they're not spectacular, but they're not terrible either. And he made the throws when he needed to make, make them. And I think that's really was the difference. I, I'm not, I don't, I wasn't really sold on the fact that Davis Mills was that big of an upgrade over Case Keenum. And I don't know. They both got, uh, I think they split the reps in practice this week. Maybe Sean can attest to more of that later on. But maybe the coaches just saw something in Keenum that they had a hunch and they wanted to go for it. Maybe they just wanted the experience of a guy in there like Keenum. But, yeah, he made the throws he needed to make. And, you know, of course, if Fairbairn hadn't made that field goal and the game had ended in a tie or the Texans would have lost, we'd all be sitting here going, why the hell did you start Case Keenum over Davis Mills? Case Keenum in the postgame called his interception a big mistake, but team, quote unquote, overcame adversity. Everybody looks at adversity as opportunity. You got to be gritty and get back up when you get punched in the face. So happy for the McNairs, D'Amico, and this team. I'm built for this. He finishes it off with. <laughs> well, it, it wasn't the mir uh, Minnesota miracle, but it, it was a win. And, and that is the thing about Keenum is when he does make a mistake, he very rarely makes the same mistake twice. And, you know, you've seen Davis Mills in the past kind of come apart. You know, when, when things start going downhill, it, it's almost like Davis Mills just completely falls apart and you couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. At least with Case, you know that when he makes a mistake like that, usually he's going to come back and either do something much better or at least not make the same mistake again. And that's what happened. Who do you think? deserves the game ball in this. I mean, is it obvious that you just throw it to uh, um, Fairbairn, Singletary, or what do you think? Well, I, I still think you, you almost have to give it to the whole defense for the way they came through later on and put the Texans in a position to win this game. Yeah, the, the obvious nod is to Fairbairn, especially because he's just come back from the injury. So the fact that he made two 50-plus yard field goals you know, if you had the previous kicker in there, pretty doubtful he would have made either of those and not even sure he'd have made the other two. You just don't know with him. But the fact that you have Kaimi Fairbairn back in his first game back and he makes those two long field goals, especially the one in overtime, yeah, it's really hard not to give him the game ball. But if you don't, I mean, you could just pick a name on the defense and say that whole crew really came to play and, and got the job done and got the Texans in a position to win. Randall says Fairbairn was the MVP of this game. Rodney says Case was pretty good until those sacks towards the end. Um, it, it just I just felt it was like a little bit uneven in Case got away. Like I said, he just got away with a couple there. But I, I will say this. 
I talked to Sean Stephen in the middle of the week, and I said, I'm more confident in Case Keenum at this point, you know, with his veteran ability, and he's been here before. He's won playoff games. You know, you you have an offensive line that's a mess. I just felt I mean, the whole game, I just felt good that Case was there. I don't know what it was. It was just like you felt like, okay, there's a guy that's been there before. And plus, you know, like everybody else, you know, going back to his coup days. I just love the guy. I wanted to well, see him. Well, yeah. You, you want to see him succeed. And and like, that kind of goes back to what I was alluding to earlier. You know, when you have the number of injuries that the Texans have and you have the suspect defensive line, you, our, our offensive line, I should say, you just you want a guy like Case Keenum. He's a steadying hand. Look, they brought Case Keenum in. They didn't bring him in to to be the second-string quarterback necessarily. They brought him in as much to help C.J. Stroud, you know, get the lay of the land. That's He was a perfect guy to do that. He's got the experience. He's calm and steady. And you look at C.J. and how calm and poised he's been. Yeah, I think you can chalk most of that up to his personality and the way C.J. Stroud plays. But I think you've got to give Case Keenum some credit for showing him the ropes, you know, at the NFL level to keep that cool, calm, and collectiveness. And, and that's what Case showed today. He just had that calming presence. You know, when the Texans got behind, he didn't panic. They just stuck to the plan. So, yeah, I felt the same way even before the game when I heard he was going to start. I really was not that upset about it. I agree with you about the game ball being split up because the defense deserves it. We, we haven't even mentioned this guy's name. Derrick Henry, who has just chopped and sautéed the Texans. Oh, yeah. He had 16 carries. For how many yards do you think he had, Steven? 16 carries for how many yards? Uh, I, close to zero. I think nine. one point he had nine carries for zero yards, so I'd say 16 carries for five yards. Nine, it was nine, point nine six yards per carry. Point six yards yeah. per carry. DeAndre Hopkins – Two catches, obviously that one controversial one that maybe should have been a catch, I don't know, but two catches for 21 yards. So they're big weapons. You just shut them down. And that was, you know, and 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 what you did up front, you know, we talked about it, not just the sacks. I mean, they just dominate. I mean, Derrick Henry had nothing. Like one of those ones runs where he got some yardage, he basically ran into a wall and just bounced it outside. And he was lucky that a couple of guys got caught up in the middle just on a weird situation. And then he got a few yards outside. But, I mean, just to hold Derrick Henry, that oh, that's a big de- – and, you know, Sean was worried about that midweek, Derrick Henry, and I'm like, this is not the defense that we've seen the last two years against the run. And they look great against the Jets despite the Jets – killing them overall against the run. They were still pretty good. I mean, it's a good. That team's got some backs, and the Texans did a pretty good job against them. I only get nervous with the Texans about the secondary. I mean, that's really yeah. my big my yeah. big frustration. And and if the linebackers get caught in a bad coverage, because our linebackers outside of Cashman can't cover them. Of course, we didn't have Cashman today. Well, I was gonna I was gonna say that there there were two keys I think of what stopped uh, stopping Derrick Henry. One is that. Just so many plays where he got the ball and they stuffed him early and they didn't let him go. You know, you said the, the yardage that he did get, he kind of ran into a wall, kind of bounced off. If if he gets some momentum, 
even the Derrick Henry of now, as opposed to a few years ago, is still a load to bring down. They were bringing him down early. They were stuffing him right at the line of scrimmage, even behind the line of scrimmage. I think that was the biggest key to stopping Derrick Henry. And, you know, the other one really, Robert, is, yeah, the run defense has been good all year. Now, you might have been a little concerned because Cashman wasn't in there, because Will Anderson wasn't in there, how much was that going to affect it? Well, it didn't because the rest of the line stepped up and did their job. So, yeah, those were really the keys of stopping Derrick Henry and really, you know, the entire run game. Yeah, and just if I fail to mention him, down the road, the Desmond King, getting Desmond King back. Now that Tavio Thomas injury, it's even bigger, but Desmond King against the run and his tackling, he gave up that one pass that went right through his hands. But otherwise, you know, Desmond King was kind of everywhere again. And, you know, Stephen, I didn't see this tweet earlier, but this one's great. I got to mention it. Just saw this. J.J. Watt tweeted out, we got the uniform, or we get the uniforms back. That's how this works. I don't make the rules. Sorry, not sorry. Too bad. So sad. <laughs> I'm so glad JJ Watt weighs in. Hey, he's still a Texans fan, Robert. You know he is. Because this isn't the first tweet he sent out about the Texans and the kind of season they've had. So yeah, absolutely. And that just puts more icing on the cake of how beautiful it is that the Texans got this win. Can you imagine how disappointed we would be doing this podcast if the Texans had not won this game, especially if they lost it right toward the end. I mean, man, that that would have been hard to take. This also officially eliminates the Titans from the playoffs. So there's just a lot of karma with this whole thing. What what do they go? Five and nine. They were five and eight coming in, I believe, right? Five and nine. And, And it was a big win for the Texans because the Colts won, you know, several other teams who were seven and six one? If if the Texans had lost this game today, I don't know that it would have completely eliminated them, but certainly it would have been a big hill to climb. So, what a big win this was on so many fronts today. All right, I I know a lot of you are Texans fans for a long time, but a lot of Houston Oilers obviously discussed this week. And for anybody listening who's a fan or who wants to know more about the Oilers. There is a YouTube Oilers history page on our page or a playlist on our page. And in the more than decade of our show, I've talked to quarterback Dan Pastorini, Hall of Famers Robert Brazil and Elvin Bethay, all pros William Fuller and Bubba McDowell, Vernon Perry. We mentioned the Chargers game. He was the hero in that playoff game. And the guys who covered them like John McClain, Kenny Hand, and Tom Franklin, and Stephen, I'm going to play back just a couple of minutes of a conversation with Chronicle legend Dale Robertson. I had talked to him about his life and, and, and his career, and I asked him about the biggest what ifs in Houston sports history. Let's get your biggest what if in Houston sports, and I'm going to throw out some choices if this helps you. Uh, there's a bunch with the Oilers. So you got the, the Mike Renfro catch. Uh, Pastorini not getting traded after the 79 season. What happens, you know, to the Oilers there? Bum Phillips not getting fired. Uh, Ralph Sampson's injury and the Rockets' drug suspensions of the 80s. J.R. Richards' stroke. Uh, Yao Ming and Tracy McGrady's breakdown. Chris Paul's hamstring, you know, just last year. 
Uh, is, is there a biggest what if for you? If you're asking, asking me to choose, I would say all of the above. I mean, you just brought back some, you brought back some very, very sad memories there, Robert. <laughs> is there very one I sad memories. Well, I mean, uh, you know, I, I, because I was, I was joined at the hip with the Oilers, uh, you know, in, in, in the Levy Blue era. I mean, you, you go back to the Renfro catch. If you look at the way the game played out structurally, it, it still probably wouldn't have made a difference, but you don't know what kind of difference it would have made psychologically. And, and the reason, I say that had to do with what happened in the last regular season game that year, a Monday night game in the Astros. Everybody thinks the greatest Oilers game in history was the Miami game when Earl ran for 199 yards and four touchdowns. No, the greatest Oilers game ever was the 1979 December, the early December Monday night game in Houston because that night the Oilers won, but they didn't just win. I mean, they, they frightened the Steelers that night. They just beat the Steelers up. The Steelers at that point are saying, "Okay, all right, this isn't this isn't the Houston Oilers we remember even from last season." So they had the Steelers' undivided attention that, that after that game, and the game was close in the AFC Championship game. Still, the last time any team in this town has played for the conference championship, and the Renfro catch counted. Okay, now now it is a one-score game. You know. Ultimately, the orders did nothing the rest of the way. Were they, were they broken? Were the spirit broken? You know, who knows? You know, we can analyze the psychology of all this till the cows come home. But that that would be, you know, for the orders to have gotten to a Super Bowl at that stage in our history would have been huge. And maybe that, and of course that changes that, a lot. That, that changes Pastorini's fate. Maybe Bum's obviously fate. Pastorini is not going to be traded. Yeah. Obviously, uh, you don't fire Bum the next year. Uh, although Bud Adams was a pretty sorry, was a pretty sorry human being. So it's imminent. Anything he did was not necessarily surprising, especially if it was wrong. <laughs> and, and, and maybe the Oilers are still. I mean, it's a huge domino because the Oilers could have never left. And that, that well, I, yeah, that's it. I mean, obviously, you blame the Oilers leaving on on the what ifs of the Buffalo the Buffalo game and the, the Joe Montana game in the Astrodome. There's no question if one of those teams had gone to the Super Bowl, in my mind, that the city and, and the Oilers would have worked out something on, on on a new stadium. There's no, but by the time Bud started asking for the stadium, they were in the process of a two and fourteen freefall, and 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 both basically, uh, you know, Bob O'Neill said just, hey Bud, don't let the door hit you in the ass. I'm out of this conversation's over. Yeah, three straight years where you were just devastated just, at the playoff. Just plucked pluck from, <laughs> plucked from you. <laughs> that was uh, that was it right there, Stephen. That was the key to the whole story with how we ended up with the Texans. Basically, I, I feel like a lot could have absolutely changed if, if something different had happened those those two or three years right there. Oh, no question about it. And, you know, it's funny. When, when Dale was talking about that game in early December in 1979 against the Steelers, uh, as I remember, that game was in the Astrodome. It was Monday night game. Yeah, we've been talking about the Texans' defense all day, Robert. Well, listen, the Oilers' defense was spectacular. They shut the Steelers out that night. I'm almost sure I remember that score being six to nothing. It was a low-scoring game, and the Oilers just completely dominated the Steelers defensively. Not maybe not offensively because they couldn't get much going offensively that night. But my goodness, that that was one of the best defensive games I think I've ever seen at any level of football. So when, when Dale was saying that, you know, they really put some fear into the Steelers, man, he wasn't kidding. And especially on the defensive front, they were definitely toe to toe with the steel curtain in that game. 
Yeah, I'm looking it up as we speak, as you were talking. That Steelers game, it, the final score was uh, 20 to 17. Okay, I'm thinking of a different game then, because I remember there was one game where they were just totally dominating it. So that might have been a, it's, it's been a long time ago. I do remember that game, though. Yeah. And so, I mean, if they, you know, get to the Super Bowl, if they win it, whatever, I mean, you just don't know what all happens. You, you know, right. if he, you try to trade bomb after going to a Super Bowl, I mean, it was, I mean, try to fire him and it was dumb even then, but yeah, I mean, it just, I mean, that's, you know, this is, I, I pulled this out of the attic though, Stephen, because this is, this is the Oilers and the Adams family for you yeah. in a nutshell, that, that whole story. Yep. You know, coming up short, and I know, you know, they played another game against the Steelers on Monday night in 78, and I want to say that score was like something like 24 to 17 or 20 to 17. So, you know, they, I mean, the Oilers beat the Steelers a couple of times. The problem was they they couldn't beat them when it really counted, and that was in the postseason. But, yeah, you're right. And, hey, when when the Titans went to the Super Bowl, how many of us were rooting for them to lose if if you were an Oilers fan that didn't convert to a Titans fan, you were rooting for them to lose. And in typical Oiler fashion, Robert, they came up just short. Another heartbreaker, right in the a dagger at the last second, they get stopped and don't win the Super Bowl. Yeah, it's it's it, it was it was rough. Um, l- let me just go back to the Texans to close things out, and Stephen. You know, this was a big win, but needless to say, you hope a couple of these guys can come back. Will Anderson, since me and Sean did the show earlier in the week, it looked like a high ankle sprain, which scares me to death for him. Yeah. Stroud, you would hope, is going to come back from the concussion. Nico, you have no idea. It's a soft tissue injury. Those scare me. Those worry me. They can turn into something longer. So who knows? But at least if you get Stroud back, you saw, again, what Noah Brown can do. You saw what Schultz can do. You saw a a Devin Singletary that when he's been given more carries, things have gone well. I mean, the the Texans seem to run the ball fine when it's Devin Singletary. And just, you know, you just got to be confident in the fact that he's the guy and, and just go with them and, like, quit experimenting with the Damian Pierce stuff. Well, now, correct me if I'm wrong, Robert. Did Damian even play today? I don't. I don't remember seeing Damian Pierce on, on any plays at all today. I did, don't remember if, seeing him either. I, unless I missed something. Yeah, because yeah. if he did, let's put it this way: if he did, it must have been only one or two carries. But I'm pretty sure Damian did not see action today. So I think that's, you know, that tells you a lot right there. And as far as CJ coming back, you know, look, I, I want to see him back as soon as possible. But more than that. You know, concussions, Robert, I tell you, they are so scary, especially when you get that first one. When you get hit again like that, you have more prone to the tendency to get more. I just pray that that doesn't happen to C.J. Stroud. And, you you know, when the whole season, every week, I would hold my breath going, please don't let C.J. get hurt. But you know it's going to happen eventually because almost every quarterback is going to get hurt. The good news is that, Hopefully, it, he's not going to be out for the rest of the season, certainly. So you hope that he'll come back the next week, or in, certainly the week after. So his injury is hopefully not going to end the Texans' season. 
But some of these others, yeah, there's just so many unknowns. You just don't really know. But look, the way this team is playing, it, it almost just week to week. I hate to use the next man up mentality because it gets used a lot. But that's what this Texans team has done. I mean, what else can you say? Well, the deal is, though, if you get C.J. Stroud back and you can get to the playoffs, look, I mean, the AFC is wide open. Oh, I mean, absolutely. Chiefs, Anything can happen. I mean, you you go, well, I'm worried about the, the Chiefs' offense this year is not that good. No. I mean, I mean, the Ravens, I guess you're maybe slightly concerned about. I mean, this is not obviously the same Texans team that played the Ravens earlier in the year. Right. But, you know, they are a lot more banged up if they were to play the Ravens. But forget all that. Forget who you play. You've got C.J. Stroud. If you can keep it close, he can win any playoff game. And I know I hear a lot of people say, oh, don't worry about it. Let's We're set up for next year. There's never you're never guaranteed a next year. You're never guaranteed stuff's going to go right. You're never guaranteed. I mean, look, the offensive line should be healthier next year. Should. I don't know. Titus Howard's not going to be ready to start the season. No. You know, are these guys going to be injury prone? Is Kenyon Green injury prone? What about Jared Patterson? What about Drew Scruggs? Drew Scruggs hadn't showed me much at guard. I hope he can show me something at center. I mean, there are a million things that can go wrong from year to year. And the Texans, we just think everything's hunky-dory because of their record. And they won these games. But the games that they won, they, they this is like four last-second games the Texans have won. It's hard to continually win last-second games in the NFL. It takes a bounce of the ball here or there. It's great stuff to happen. And it also takes your quarterback being healthy. And, you know, Stroud, you could say, oh, he's a little banged up this year. But could he be more... Could there be more concussions next year? He misses more games or some other injury. So this idea that, oh, we're set up for the long term in the future. No, this is the NFL. It's year to year, game to game. Well, I guarantee you the Texans aren't looking forward to next year. They're looking forward to next week. I mean, they certainly aren't playing with a next year mentality. I guarantee you. And you're absolutely right. I mean, every year is different. And even if you have the exact same puzzle pieces in place, you know, with the, the main ones anyway, with C.J. Stroud and Nico Collins and Tank Dell comes back and, you know, all these players come back. There's still no guarantee. The NFL is different. Every sport is different every season. So you've got to seize the moment and do whatever you can do right now because you don't know what next year brings. So, no, you're absolutely right. The, the Texans aren't playing for next season. You know, they're, they're not playing for a higher draft pick now. They're playing for the playoffs, I guarantee you, and they're in the running still after 14 games. You know what, Robert? I didn't say this because I wasn't on the podcast when you and Sean did your picks before the season. I picked the Texans to go 7-10. and 10. Well, guess what? They've passed that. They're 8-6. and six. So, you know, the the worst that they're going to go is, what, 8-9? Eight and 8-9, eight and nine. Eight and nine, yeah. Yeah, that's the worst that can happen. That would still be a win. So they're still in the playoff hunt. Yeah, Scott says, I'm worried how the injury will affect Dell long-term. You know, Dell, I'm just worried about him, period, because, you know, he's just the size and small yeah. and all yeah, that. I thought about that too, Scott. I, I felt the same way last week, uh, the week before when he went down. So you're you're right. It's it, You just have to hope that next year he can come back and be the same big play tank Dell that we've seen. But that's just it. You don't have those guarantees. So yeah, next year will come when next year comes. Absolutely. Well, the big thing as far as this game goes and as far as today, you can celebrate 
all week because we beat the fake Oilers. The Texans won a last second uh, game again. Like we said, the fourth, I think this is the fourth time this year now that they've done that. Uh, Kaimi Fairbairn, big time field goal. Oh, by the way, I haven't even, I forgot to mention this, Stephen. Remember when Bill O'Brien was afraid to let Kaimi Fairbairn kick 50 plus yard field goals? Like to me, that was dumb because well, that's right. It, it was never, Fairbairn, I never felt like had an issue with long field goals. It was just kind of accuracy. He's always had a great leg. Oh, and, yeah. And and he really just never showed that confidence in him when he was when he was uh, coach here that oh Fairbairn you're you're going to turn it around because it was it was still early in Fairbairn's career at that point. Yeah, it was early, and yeah, I always thought he had a good leg too. Now he has had some injuries, you know, several injuries over the years, so there is that. But no, I don't think that was an issue. So, <laughs> but it's good that D'Amico Ryan's. I mean, I mean, not only does he have confidence that Kaimi Fairbairn can hit the long field goals. I mean, he had to have a lot of confidence to have him do it today because, like I said, he's just coming back from this injury. You don't know how what good a shape his leg is in, and he hasn't played in several weeks. So D'Amico showed extreme confidence, not just regular confidence, by putting him out there not once but twice for 50-plus field goals, and he came through both times. Also who came through? Stephen Kerr, because I needed him with Sean <laughs> missing this one. Uh, Sean's got some other responsibilities he had to do uh, work-wise, so it's it's great to have Stephen back in and pinch hitting. He was sort of last second. Sean's been iffy. By the way, jump on Sean. Tell him he missed a, a great post-game show. Get him, <laughs> get him Go get him on uh, Twitter or whatever, at Sean Bajani. Just message him and say, man, you missed a great uh, post-game show to talk about, all that sort of stuff. Let him know. Let him know that he was – uh, he was not missed because Stephen just buried everybody <laughs> with this one. Um, but uh, thanks again, Steve. And we'll, we will talk to you again midweek, me and Sean, for uh, the preview for the next Texans game and everything else that's going on in Houston sports. Maybe a Rockets guest this week as well. So stay tuned. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, you can support the show by subscribing on YouTube and commenting on the videos. Listen to Houston Sports Talk on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and Google. Don't forget to tell a friend and share our show on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.